0: Thanks for downloading Cross Defense. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. appreciate that you're a listener here. Glad to bring you this show this week. We have the seven things the Bible says about itself. And then Pastor Sean Denzer joins me to talk about the transfiguration of Jesus and what Peter says we should learn from that event. He says, I was there. And here's here's the takeaways. So here's the show. Hey,
1: welcome to Cross Defense. Woo! Monday afternoon.
0: That means it's time to explore the bible see what it has to say to us how it has to comfort our conscience how it has wisdom for us and joy and courage do we need joy and courage these days uh we're going to do that by in fact we're we're, here's what we're gonna i'm your host by the way pastor brian wolfmuller pastor of hope lutheran church over in aurora colorado glad to be with you Uh, for the next hour we're going to talk about we're going to talk about some theology see what joy and comfort and happiness even happiness, I think, the Scripture has for us. We're going to talk about the seven things the Bible says about itself today in the first segment. And then we're going to, We're after we do that, we're going to have Pastor Sean Denzer come on, pastor of the entirety of North and South Dakota. I can't remember exactly where he is. And I think it's these might be dovetailed topics. I said, whatever you want to talk about. And he said... He says well how about how about we talk about the transfiguration and i said don't tell me whatever so i but i think he's going to talk about he wants to talk about the transfiguration of jesus remember when jesus is up on the mountain whoosh his face and his clothes are lit up uh, like this a lot brighter than any launderer can get them on earth so we're going to hear what uh pastor Danzer has to think about that but first but first seven things about the bible itself it seems to me i don't know, I don't know exactly how to how to put my finger on this phenomenon but it seems to me like the church is getting bored with the scriptures. I mean, that's the thing we're talking about all the time here on Cross Defense, how the devil assaults us through boredom. He kind of dulls our senses, our eyes and our ears to hearing the things of God. In fact, I mean, Jesus will say all the time, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, that this the capacity to engage helpfully in, in the Lord's word and in the scriptures is a spiritual gift. But but still, the devil comes along then and he wants us to become bored with the scriptures and that. Tempting then for churches to neglect the, the the teaching of the biblical doctrine. It's it's easy to, for the church to forget the scriptures. Now, one of the things that I noticed, I you know, we I grew up in a somewhat liberal church, then joined the evangelical church through high school and college. Then now in the in the Lutheran church, but in that it, in high school and in college, when I was in in the midst of evangelicalism your big box churches, Southern Baptist churches, non-denominational churches, light charismatic churches, that kind of thing. One of the things that they did was they took the scriptures seriously. They would, they would say, "We, we believe what the, we believe that the Bible is true, that the Bible is God's word, but it seems like even that conviction is being lost in a lot of previously conservative or biblical churches, that the biblical foundations are starting to erode that, I don't know, other things have become more interesting to the Christian. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Scriptures and, the, and these seven things, just to remind ourselves uh, of the seven attributes of the Scripture. Now, th- some of these might be new for you guys. You might, in fact, if you want to play a little game, you could play along and say, what seven things do we want to say about the Bible? And number one is this, that the Bible is inspired. 2 Timothy three sixteen 16-17, Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed. That's one word in the Greek, theopanamitas, God breathed. It's, it's God spirited. It's it's exhaled from the mouth of God. It's that's and that's where we get the word inspired from. It's 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 breathed out so that the so that the the scriptures are God's word. This is what what Peter says. He says, oh, the, no prophet spoke by himself, by his own will. Prophecy was not born by the man, by the will of man, but the prophets of old were carried along by the Holy Spirit, so that so that the Scripture is rightly called God's word." Now, it's one of the ways that you can just look at the great division in the church these days is to say, "Do we say that the Bible is God's word, or the Bible contains God's word?" It's easy to say the Bible contains God's word. There's part of it that's true and part of it that's I don't like so much it must not be true, but we want to say we want to come to the whole word of God, the entire prophetic and apostolic scriptures. And we want to say that is it is it is all God's word, all inspired by God. Which leads to the next two attributes of the scriptures, if you're tracking with me, that the Bible is inerrant and infallible. Now, th- th- those are two theological words. If you haven't heard them before, this is good that that you're listening to the show here because it, one of the great things—I mean, this is what—one of the privileges that God gave to Adam in the garden is the privilege of naming things, and the Lord still has given humanity the privilege of naming a thing. And it's it's really hard to talk about something if you don't know the name for it. So, so it's good to do some of this theological vocab work. And these two words, inerrancy and infallibility, are important when it comes to the scriptures. In fact, this was what the fundamentalist modernist controversy was about they were talking about does the Bible contain errors that's what inerrant means it means without error there's no errors in there everything that it says is true I mean from the beginning from the creation the six days of creation the creation of Adam and Eve the fall into sin and all the miracles of the Old Testament These are all truths and culminating in the greatest historical truth of all the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a stunning thing to think about for me that the Bible is a the Bible, before it's a theology book, is a history book. If 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 you if you find yourself approaching the scriptures and saying, well, you know, it has it has moral truths or theological truths, but I don't so much go for the history of it. Well, then uh, we're not reading the Bible like it wants to be read. The Bible presents itself first to us as a history book. That's why the Bible is the only holy book that has maps in the back. Now the maps are available. I mean, the maps were put put in there by the public. I'm holding up them the map to the video if you can not say it. but uh, the the uh, the maps are put in there by the publisher but it's in it's in it's a important thing that it tells us something about the Bible that it's presenting itself to us as history and one of the ways that you can tell if a if a higher critical or a a, a, a view of scripture or if your reason is starting to take over is you start to question the the historicity of the script simple like it'll start with Jonah so yeah, Jonah, I don't know so much about a guy being eaten by a fish. I I know it just makes me kind of question the whole thing. And then and then from Jonah you start to question maybe the beginning and the six days of creation. And then the, that just sort of that sort of cancer of doubt, historical doubt starts to spread throughout all the scriptures until finally you're left with something like Aesop's fables or the Greek myths. No, the Bible is a history book. This is, I just let that sink in. The Bible, gives. it's a history book, and it gives us a correct history. It's inerrant. But it's not just inerrant. It's not only that it doesn't err. It's also infallible. That means it's unable to err, to err, to make mistakes, to contain anything wrong. So the infallibility of the Scripture means that, that it is impossible for God to lie. That, hmm, I, I could say something inerrant. Like, it's 47 degrees outside. I don't know how, but I could just tell you something, and it could be true. It could actually be 47 degrees outside. That could be an inerrant statement, but it's not infallible because I'm not infallible. You see, inerrancy has to do with the words that are said. Infallibility has to do with the speaker of those words. And because the Bible is inspired by God, we say that this is infallible. These are infallible words that they cannot be wrong. Now, so far, inspiration, inerrancy, and infallibility, that's where most nah, that's where most conservative Bible believing Christians ought to land. That's good so far. But we have to keep going because the Bible does say more of ab- is clarity. The clarity of the scriptures. David writes in Psalm 119, this great scripture psalm, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light, a light to my path. So that the Lord's word is is illuminated and illuminating, that it is clear, that it says what it wants to say. Now, it's one of the great, great controversies in the Christian church. That people will come along and say, no, in fact, the scriptures are not in and of themselves clear. You have to have an interpreter of the scriptures. This is one of the great debates of the time of the Reformation. The Catholic Church said, no, the scriptures are not clear, and therefore, they need to be interpreted. They need to have an authoritative teaching office that tells us what they say. And you have, voila, the Pope who stands there to bring by his own office clarity to the scriptures to that we say no scripture alone is what we need that the scriptures themselves are sufficiently clear now the clarity of scripture does not mean that you just you open up the page of the bible and you read it and you understand everything that's being said there at first glance clarity and simplicity are not the same thing in fact it's work to get to the scriptures we gotta continue to study them. The, the the scriptures do not expect to be read only one time we just open up the prophets and understand at first glance and there's gaps between us and the and the scriptures there's a language gap the prophets wrote in Hebrew and the the apostles wrote in Greek there's a time gap they understood things that were going on that that we don't quite know so it it, to say the scriptures are clear is not to say that the scriptures and interpreting the scriptures is not difficult work but it is to say that we can learn everything that we uh, that we need to know from the scriptures that we can find it in the scriptures themselves that they need no interpreter and that is related to the next at what number are we on one two three four fifth attribute of the scriptures and that is their sufficiency that God's word is sufficient to make us wise unto salvation that everything that we need to know to be saved is contained in the scriptures that's that's the sufficiency and it's really when we have the sufficiency of scripture then what we're not doing is looking around for other sources of revelation. I think, and this is one of the dangers in Christianity today, even in our own sort of individual Christian life, is that we forget the sufficiency of the Scripture. We forget that the Scripture has all that we need for this life, for faith, and for good works, and we start to look for something more. Now, I'll, t- I'll tell you where I see this most often. Um, They just, they want to, they want to know more from God than what He's given in the Bible. They want to know, for example, just to take an example, but I think a common example, they want to know what God's perfect will is for their life. Now, I think that people are very confused about what the will of God is. It's like the secret one hidden path that I have to walk and one foot in front of the other and I'm walking in the dark and God hasn't told me where I want to go. He hasn't revealed that to me in the scripture. And so now I'm looking for something else, for something more, for another revelation from God, for another insight from God, for another word from God because the scriptures are not sufficient. Now, I don't, I don't think most people realize that. That when they, when they're going to try to to, to get from God another another word when they're trying to find God's, uh, have God come and address them personally and tell them something more. I don't think that they realize that they're denying the sufficiency of the Scripture, but in effect, that's exactly what they're doing. They're saying, hey, what you, what you told me here in the Bible is not enough. I need something more. And that's dangerous because the Scriptures tell us that they're sufficient, that we don't need to know anything more about them and six we're getting close to the end here of this list the efficacy now this is the most important one the efficacy of the scripture or the power of the scripture now what does this mean the bible tells us that the scripture itself is effective that it in fact is powerful that it's a creative word and a declaring word we we tend to think of words as uh, descriptive, that we hear are informative. Like the words that I'm speaking to you, they're informing you. I'm giving you a list of seven things the Bible says about itself. But the scriptures are, because they are God's word, they're creative. We describe things, like we can say, hey, the sun's out. But the Lord creates, let there be light. And so the Lord's word is an efficacious word. Paul writes, Romans 1, 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it, that is the word of the gospel, God, the gospel is that promise, because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Or he writes later in Romans 10, 17, he says, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so that by the hearing of the word of God, the Holy Spirit comes and creates in us faith. That's the powerful working of God. His work so when Jesus says your sins are forgiven it's not describing a forgiveness it is actually forgiving sins it's making it happen just like he spoke and said let there be light and let that be divided from the day and so forth so the Lord says your sins are forgiven and it's we have a we have a parallel to this I think in our life and that is that we we have the words of judges so is a person innocent or guilty well, there's an objective, innocence or guilt, depending on if they committed a particular crime. But it's the declaration of the judge that gives them that legal status of innocent or guilty. If the judge says you're guilty or the judge says you're innocent or so forth. Now, that's a declarative word, and so the scriptures are a declarative word. They come from So the scriptures are powerful. Too often we treat the scriptures like, like here here it is, and, and to, to be effective, you have to act on it. You have it accept it, live according to it, decide for it or whatever. no, no, the scriptures themselves are God's working in us, and last, perhaps not least, is my own little invention this I think you guys will like this one. The scriptures are awesome. the scriptures are good. We've often made the point that the Bible never tells us to read the Bible because the Bible says delight in the Scriptures, meditate on His Word, delight in His Word. The, the, the Scriptures are given to us as more precious and holy than jewels or gold or fine silver. When we have God's Word, we have, we have the completeness of the divine wisdom. We have God's promise of forgiveness. We have God's wisdom for our life. We have all of it together in the Scriptures. And how can it be that, the, the, that we have all of these things, but we simply don't, we just don't open it and read it? So we want to remember that God's word is also awesome. It's true. It's inspired. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It's sufficient. It's clear. It's efficacious. And it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Teach me wonderful things, we pray, according to your word. So may this inspire us to open our Bibles, to study it, to read it, to hear there the voice of Jesus who comes to us in great kindness. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfe, we'll you're listening to Cross the We're going to go to the break, and we're going to come back to talk to Pastor Denzer about, I think, the transfiguration. We'll have to see what he has to say. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: Hello. This is Dale Meyer, and I'm the host of Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work, an Intersection. It airs weekly on Thursday afternoons at 2 o'clock Central Time, right here on KFUO. Together we'll discover how the Word of God applies to daily life as we go about our various vocations. Be sure to tune in each week for an interesting discussion taking place at the intersection of Word and Work. Hi, this is Bart Day, President and
0: CEO of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Reaching out in mercy and responding to human needs has been a key component of our life together in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod.
2: And it's recognized
0: service organizations like yours who work tirelessly to share the compassion of Christ to those who are suffering. LCEF appreciates your mission and understands the unique challenges ministries like yours face. We want to be a part of your great work of mercy and help you extend your reach. Visit us at LCEF.
1: Hi, I'm Gary Duncan, the General Manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news, AM 850 in St. Louis, worldwide at kfuo.org.
0: Hey, welcome back to Cross the Fence. I'm your host, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church, right here in Aurora, Colorado. And I have as my guest, Pastor Sean Denzer. Hey, Sean, how are
2: you? Doing great. How are you?
0: I'm great, man. You sound good. That's a good connection. How are things over there? What's the temperature? Like negative 75 or something where you are?
2: It's a wonderful day. I think we're up to 15 degrees. My kids are outside playing. Uh, But yeah, it was high of 20 last week. (laughs) Uh, snow it's like day a too,
0: swimsuit I think, so. weather man you're going to get a get a tan if it's that cold well hey what do you uh so remind me of the congregations where you're serving
2: sure, I'm serving at a Peace Lutheran Church in Barney, North Dakota, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Great Bend, North Dakota and yeah, I had a couple vacancy churches, uh, but uh, I'm really glad to report that they have called a new pastor. He's coming probably the start of next month, and uh, we'll be back at full strength or as they say in Sioux country, always were.
0: <laughs> nice. Oh, back on the back off the hook. So, hey, what do you got for us today? I think you mentioned before we went on talking about the transfiguration. Is that still on your mind?
2: Yeah, it ties in perfectly with what you were talking about uh, just before the break, about uh, the seven things that the scriptures say about themselves. Uh, what are the scriptures to us? Uh, and actually, you might not think about it, but the transfiguration really does tie into that. And we'll see that when we get to what St. Peter writes in his epistle. Uh, but first, I thought we probably ought to start with the text. Uh, uh, if our listeners want to read about the Transfiguration, there are three places in the Bible, and then we 're going to add this fourth in. Uh, but the three places where you get the story are in matthew 's Gospel, the seventeenth chapter mark 's Gospel, the ninth chapter, and luke 's Gospel, also the ninth chapter uh, and that 's the one i 'm going to kind of take a look at if that 's all right. Uh, at our church yeah. we had the transfiguration last week uh, just yesterday and we looked at Matthew some churches will have it about three weeks from now and that's kind of a unique Lutheran thing uh, we tend to celebrate this day earlier than some other people do here in America but that's all right it's a great end to the epiphany season kind of this biggest epiphany uh, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with this teaching about the humiliation of Jesus but it's basically this that as a man jesus even though he was true god equal to god in all respects uh did not always or fully make use of his divine powers and attributes as a man and i think the easy easiest way to see that is look jesus didn't appear and then reappear he didn't teleport everywhere he didn't uh you know sustain himself uh, by divine power, but he ate food. He he took naps. He he walked from place to place. His feet got dirty. Uh, he, he didn't always do that. Now there are some times where we see him use his divine power. Almost always, for the sake of other people, by the way, not himself. He he heals people. He uh, uh, and today he actually lets three of his disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, see his glory. Uh, see his divinity shining through his humanity, kind of in the exact same way that in the Old Testament, the bur- burning bush uh, had God's glorious fiery presence, in it, and yet it wasn't being burned up. Uh, and they got to see that, and, and they're the only ones, actually. Uh, on the other hand, that's, that's quite a bit what it appears Jesus is like after the resurrection
0: so so for those who are listening and they might have just forgotten the the basic Bible story to, or tell us the in brief strokes uh, what's going on and maybe set it in context it, it's after Jesus said he was way up north in Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples who they said who people were saying he was and who did they say and, and Peter confesses you're the Christ the son of the living God and no no you can't die and so that Jesus has been teaching them that it's necessary for him to suffer and then he takes three of them apart and takes him up to the mountain, Take t- maybe take it from there.
2: Yeah, uh, takes the three up, Peter, James, and John. They go up to pray, and uh, it says that Jesus is transfigured before them. His appearance changes. His clothes become dazzling white, brighter than you could even bleach them. And, uh, and, in fact, two other characters appear flanking him on either side, and they're Moses and Elijah. What does that mean? Uh, there are some interesting stories about maybe... Uh, that uh, these are the two men who didn't die in the same way that you and I do. We know that Elijah was carried up to heaven to God's presence uh, by a chariot of fire. There's some weird traditions about Moses that something similar to happen to him. But I think the much easier thing to recognize is Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. He's the writer of the law. Uh, He's the, the main character for that. And... Elijah is kind of the biggest and one of the most foremost of the prophets, a good representative of all the prophets. So here you have the whole Bible, the Old Testament, Moses, the law, Elijah, the prophets flanking Jesus. Luke's gospel is wonderful. It adds this little detail that they had a conversation together, and Luke tells us what it's about. It's about his, my translation says departure, but the word is exodus. Uh, Moses knows something about exodus he led the original one uh, and the one that's coming up is Jesus is about to deliver his people not out of Pharaoh's hand but out of the hands of sin and death by his uh, death and resurrection it says he's going to accomplish this at Jerusalem and if you know anything about the Gospel of Luke Jesus has his eyes fixed toward Jerusalem he's he's focused on getting to the cross and our salvation okay so uh, this happens and he, go ahead
0: uh, yeah Pastor Denter, so he says um, I think I know in Matthew it says his face and his clothes were radiating. I think in Mark it just says his clothes. I I don't remember if the fa- if the face of Jesus is included in Luke. Do you know? I I was wondering about that specificity. Why why didn't say Jesus was radiating? But it it hones in on his face and on his clothes. You got any ideas about that?
2: I don't know about the clothes, but. Uh you know the face Moses face had a similar kind of thing happen to it when he went into the presence of the Lord which one being able to see God at all is uh, really not something that happens much in fact Moses gets to hear you can't see me face to face although I'll let you see my backside Moses when he comes down from the mountain his face is kind of Still glowing. It's. I guess it's like if you go into the nuclear reactor and then you come out glowing if you didn't wear your suit. Uh, that's kind of how Moses was. Here's Jesus though, and not glowing you know with the light of someone else but with his own light Uh, so I so I wonder if that's it also whenever the face of God is said to shine on us think about the benediction right May His grant his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you this is a gracious uh, uh, shining Uh, the face is turned towards you which means they're paying attention to you he's caring for you he's a god who loves you as opposed to a face being set against you which means you know he's given you the evil eye he's Uh, gritting his teeth at you and maybe going to bring his fist to blow soon.
0: There's a note in Mark also, just while we're in this spot, that the disciples were sleepy. And so it's almost like Jesus starts, he starts this conversation, he has this long conversation with Moses and Elijah about his crucifixion, about how things are going to go. And the disciples sleep through the whole thing. And then kind of at the end, as Moses and Elijah are getting ready to leave, Then they wake up, and they realize, wait, what's, and they see Jesus glowing, and they see Moses and Elijah starting to depart. And then Peter says, wait, 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 no, 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 it's good, you guys stay here. It's good to be here. Let me, I'll make some tents, one for you, Jesus, one for Moses and Elijah. And the text tells us, uh, like, it gives us all the motivation for why Peter said that, because he was afraid and because he had no idea what he was talking about.
2: (laughs) Those are the two things that motivated Peter there that is so key and in this and we find out there's another connection because uh, about the time Peter is blathering uh, that's when the father rolls in on this cloud and that and that's such a significant word Moses would have been able to tell you about it because that's the cloud the the presence of God the the pillar of fire by day and the pillar of cloud by night oops i got it backwards that led the children of Israel through the wilderness that's the Tangible, visible presence of God that's settled between the angels' wings, the wings of the cherubim that's on the ark of the covenant in the tabernacle, and, uh, and and that's the word for tent, by the way that that Peter's talking about. So this is the presence of God, the glory of God, and you don't see that casually. You don't. That's not a, a casual incident. And and I think. Peter's chattering is I'm trying to think of what's a good example of this the only thing I can think of forgive me is like a cartoon in like a cartoon you know some character Scooby-Doo sees the ghost or whatever and he starts going you know blathering something he doesn't know what he's doing he's you know I don't know maybe well we should stay here guys I don't know how about we you know let's build some tents how about three of them he doesn't know what's going on and and, uh, and in fact when the father comes in with this cloud he kind of shuts him up right
0: (laughs) yeah he interrupts him it 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 just to kind of review the old testament connections that are all here so they're up on top of a mountain that reminds us of mount sinai where there there's the glory of god covering it like mount sinai and in the tabernacle there's the talk of the tabernacle that peter says i mean maybe in english it says tense doesn't it but the word there is tabernacle let us make three tabernacles so you have that. You have the prophets there. I mean, talk about an Old Testament connection. You have Moses and Elijah just actually standing there. You have the glowing face of Jesus. There's so many things that are being pulled in from the story of the Old Testament right there on the mountain.
2: Yeah, and I don't think you want to make three tents. Uh, it- three tabernacles for sure though now one for jesus that would be totally appropriate he is he is the ark of the covenant he is the mercy seat as the scriptures say but uh but not for moses moses was even kicked out of the temple after a while because he wasn't the priest and uh and and elijah had a limit to his ministry too they're not gods i'm reminded of in uh revelation right when uh john is going to bow down to that angel in the end and he says oh, oh no come on stand up i'm the servant of the lord just like you uh here face this way with me we'll look at we'll look at the Lord Uh that's kinda of the mistake here that's that's what Peter didn't know what he was saying
0: and then we hear the voice of God
2: yeah we do and in fact we've heard part of this saying once before and that's at the baptism of Jesus same thing same cloud same voice the voice of the father this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased but there's something added to the end of it this time listen to him.
0: Hmm. So, so, so say more about that. It, it, it's an echo of what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy, right? Uh, I'll, the Lord promised, I'll raise up a prophet like you from among the brethren, him you shall hear. So, so the Lord is pointing back to this promise that there's going to be a, at the end, the, the great and final prophet who will be raised up to deliver the people. Uh, is this what's going on?
2: absolutely listen to jesus i think this all you we ought to hear in this also all right you be quiet peter <laughs> there's someone you need to shut up and listen right listen to jesus uh also you brought in the context when we started this the context is peter's great confession of faith he's quick to open his mouth to say the right thing and then you know less than a couple verses later, uh, Jesus says he's going to suffer and die, that has to happen, and Peter says, oh no, Lord, right? And and, and Jesus, in fact, says, get behind me, Satan, you, you've got the devil's ideas in mind, the men's ideas, not God's. Uh, so, uh, Peter, in particular, needs to hear this word, I think. Um, close your mouth, Peter, but, but, don't close your ears. In fact, have them open and attentive to my son, because he's the chosen one. He's, he's the beloved son. He, he's the one in whom I'm pleased, and, and through him and through his death, by the way, uh, everything will be uh, fulfilled. And in, in, in Matthew's gospel, at least, Jesus gives them instructions right away, uh, and he says, when we go down the mountain, you're going to be quiet about this for a while until something happens until the death and resurrection till I've risen from the dead uh, because then everything will be fulfilled and that's when my true glory uh, will be shared with the whole world in fact
0: it is amazing how hastily this vision is gone because it seems like it's building up like they they wake up from this from the sleep and they look there's Jesus and he's glowing white And whoa and then they look over and there's Moses and Elijah and and they're having this conversation and then the cloud comes in you have to this bright shining cloud rolls over them and then the voice speaks so that it's it's kind of it's building up and it's culminating and then they fall on their face in fear their eyes are shut they can't stand to look at the glory and then all of a sudden Jesus and they look up and everything's gone whoosh no glory no Moses, no Elijah, no radiating light from the face of Jesus. It's all just woof, back to normal, just in an instant, like that.
2: Yeah, except, uh, and I love the way Matthew's gospel says this. Right? They look up after Jesus says to them, "Rise and have no fear." That's that's the first thing that's supposed to listen to what Jesus says, and, it, and it's it is not a word of command. It's not a word of rebuke. It's a it's a word of comfort, right? Rise, uh, arise, and have no fear. Uh, He knows they're afraid. Now he says, fear not. It's the same thing the angels have to say every time they come. And uh, Matthew's Gospel says, they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus only. Uh, And I think, uh, as all of the Gospels make this point, to have Jesus is not to be left, you know, with only a partial amount to have Jesus is to have everything its he's the one that brings us access to the Father to the Spirit he's the one who fulfills all of the Old Testament Uh, and it isn't necessarily the the bright shiny glory of Jesus that is the most important to us but it is what he what he needs to accomplish before this vision can be spoken to others again and that's his death and his resurrection uh, that these are the way the means by which he really is Lord because those are the means by which he saves us
0: uh, now what so just to just sort of work into this and I know and I think we'll, we've got a couple of minutes before the break and then on the other side we'll go to the Peter text I think it's great but yeah. like put so put this in context a little bit what why now why is why is Jesus revealing his glory to his disciples at this point in the gospels why not earlier why not why not later and what does he intend to teach them by this
2: that's a good question i never thought about that actually why why not earlier i suppose you know in a lot of our christmas pictures uh everybody's got halos on and there is kind of a glow coming out of the manger. Uh, although Isaiah prophesies about Jesus and says, you know, he didn't have any form or loveliness that we would have noticed him. His appearance was not special. That was his humiliation. Uh, and that's why this event stood out. He, he didn't glow uh, walking around. Even when he walked on water, he wasn't glowing like this. I, I, I think for a similar reason that Jesus told people that he healed, don't go and tell everybody boy that that rubs us wrong because we think i think we've heard it so often our main job as a christian almost is to just tell everybody about jesus all the time jesus doesn't have that concern in the gospels um i think for the one part is he knows the danger of the people just coming for the miraculous things and not sticking around for the real truths uh certainly not sticking around for the suffering right think about the parable of the sower uh if everybody said, hey, if you were to give a lecture to the seeds before you plant them, all right, I'm going to plant you all, and you're going to just be tremendously great, big, you know, magical beanstalk size sunflowers, and they'd all say, let's go. Uh, if you gave them the speech Jesus did, right, that uh, actually there's going to be a lot of persecution, there's going to be competition out there, and uh, some of you might not even make it into the dirt. Um, you might not be as happy. Uh, that that's part of. I mean, and and that's. I think with the context that shows this. Peter's strugg Peter is standing in for all of us here, struggling with this truth, that the way of Christ is not a way of ease and uh, and majesty and glory and just happy times all the time, but that actually it leads through the cross. It leads through suffering, and that this is not a, a deficiency in God's mind, but this is a feature of His. Uh, of his salvation this is how it has to be uh, it's necessary and so yes uh, here the disciples these this inner circle of of the inner circle gets a chance to see that yes indeed this is just the one that Peter confessed him to be the Christ the son of the living God uh, and yet they then can know as they face the trials and temptations as they face the suffering and the crucifixion of Jesus this is the same one He's in control. He's he's in charge of this and in fact this suffering and death is not only okay, it's it's necessary for our salvation.
0: Jesus doesn't stay transfigured. He's gonna hide his glory again so that he can go to the cross. This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller and I'm talking to Pastor Sean Denzer, you're listening to Cross Defense. We're gonna talk about what that is that Jesus continues to hide his glory so that he can go to the cross and what it teaches us. Peter's gonna write about what it teaches us in his epistle and so we'll consider that well after the break. So stay with us, we'll be right back. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. Proverbs 27, 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's why weekday mornings at 8 a.m., two Missouri Synod pastors test their metal against the Holy Scriptures, certain that not only will they come out better for it, but so will you. The sword of the Spirit is sharp to the touch, but you need practice wielding it. Check out Sharper Iron, 8 a.m., every weekday on Worldwide KFUO. I think one of the most amazing—I'm th- Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, by the way. One of the most amazing things is to worship with Christians in other places in the world. I've I've taken people to to Israel, to Germany, to Greece, to Turkey. We've done that, and it's just—it's so fantastic and eye-opening. We're going to do it again this summer. We're going to go and visit our missionaries in Spain. We're going to tour around Spain for eleven days, and while we're there, we're going to spend a weekend in Seville to see the work of the Lutheran Church being born in Spain. If you're interested or you know someone that's interested, you can find all the information on the website wolfmuller.co forward slash Spain two thousand nineteen. It's W O L F M U E L L E R dot C O slash Spain two thousand nineteen. Hope you can join us. hey welcome back to cross Defense. i'm your host pastor brian wolfmuller i've got sean denzer we're talking about the transfiguration of jesus what a glorious event glorious because the glory of his divinity radiates through his humanity but glorious even more because it points us to to the cross before we leave the the gospel pastor denzer anything that we need to any details we need to pick up on or any points we need to make before we look at what peter has to say about it
2: I'm satisfied if you are, other than I want to remember that key word that was different this time than it was in the baptism of Jesus, which is that the Father said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's the that's the key part. Listen to Jesus. Pay attention, guys. Uh, he's the one uh, that you need to hear uh, and, and imitate and, and see his life and see what he's doing. That's going to be the key. Anything you, you need needed. to add?
0: Nope, I think we're good. So Peter, when he's writing his second epistle, he he just says, Hey, i I got to tell you, I was there on the mountain. And he, he gives us hints that he's talking about the transfiguration. He doesn't describe the transfiguration, but he says that we were there. And then he says, Here's what, here's what we took from it. Here's what we learned from that. At least here's a few of the things that we want to make sure that we pass on to you from that particular event. And it's interesting to think what does peter pick up that that we might not pick up i mean he in some ways it's great because we have a the apostolic exegetical work on the event so that we know how we're supposed to interpret it right
2: yeah and i just this is one of the unique i'm trying to think of other places i guess you can see this with paul's letters and lining them up with the book of acts but other than that, you don't get a whole lot of, you know, connecting kind of the historical books in the New Testament to the writing books. I always think it's helpful to try and figure out where the prophets and the Old Testament writings fit in with Kings and Chronicles and the events that are described there. So this is one of the unique ones in the New Testament where Peter, yes, we've got the historical event. We've got the third-person accounts from Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospel. But here we get the man himself thinking back on it. I don't even know how many years after the event happened. And recalling it, uh, describing it again, and in fact using it in this letter to encourage a church. A church which, by the way, seems to definitely be facing suffering as one of his big difficulties. The the, the first letter to Peter is almost uh, completely about suffering uh, and doing that with hope. Uh, and and then here we get to hear him remember the transfiguration and and the thing that makes him bring it up go ahead you can lead us in
0: yeah no i I was just wanted to read the text here um so pick it up and then let you expound on a little bit further it's if you want to take a look in your own bible you're following along at home or listening it's second peter chapter one verse 16 peter writes we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light in the that shines in the dark place until the day and and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came about by the will of man but holy men of god spoke that they were moved by the holy spirit oh, that's stunning text
2: hey, he starts off with something i that kind of contradicts what uh, many people lately I don't know if it's that popular anymore but it seems like for the last 200 years people have tried to say well Christianity is kind of just you know ripping off other religions, other myths, you know. Uh, gosh, what what religion or myth didn't have some god coming down to earth, usually to like fool around with ladies and get them pregnant, right? Zeus comes down and gets himself in trouble or something. So, even the Christians have that idea that God came down to earth, his son came down to earth. And, and Peter says, no, we know myths. We're, we live in the Greek world. We know this. This is different. We were there, we're eyewitnesses, this key word. Uh, and that's what Jesus Jesus emphasizes in in Luke's gospel, right? You guys, I'm sending you out to preach about the scriptures, to preach about how they're all about me and my death and resurrection, and to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins in my name. But he says, and the reason you guys are the the core of this, the apostles, is you are the eyewitnesses of of all of it happening, uh, to be the ones who pass this truth along and who give your eyewitness testimony for my sake. Uh, so we have the eyewitness testimony. Mm-hmm. We can hear the echoes of this, right? The majestic glory, the great cloud, and we have the voice. But now, okay, here's a problem with our text, right? Uh, Peter forgot something, didn't he? Didn't d- Peter's got yeah, something you're right. missing in this He says
0: here that this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. But he doesn't. Say, he doesn't say, "Listen to him." He just yeah. he drops out yeah. early.
2: So I guess he didn't. He didn't hear that. Except uh, here's what I think is great he He hasn 't forgotten that at all, because what does he tell us he 's telling us listen to him, but he 's telling us how the Christian listens to Jesus, right? What does he immediately begin talking about the holy scriptures right the prophetic word right mm-hmm. and and i your translation kind of makes it sound like, now admittedly the text kind of can be taken in two ways: the way you had it read was that uh the event of the Transfiguration is a confirmation of the Holy Scriptures. And I think if you want to see, listen to the, to, to the prophet who will come that will be like Moses, that's great. If you want to see all of uh, Moses' books and all of Elijah's, the prophetic books, uh, being fulfilled in Jesus, that's a wonderful image too. But uh, in other translations, and I think the Greek bear the, bears this out as well, it can be translated this way, that we have something more sure, that is, the prophetic word to which we do well to pay attention. And I think this is tremendous, especially for us Christians who are always tempted, like you said, I think at the beginning, you know, we want to have something awesome. We want to have something confirm God's word because maybe deep down we really struggle to believe God's words. So we want the spectacular thing. Well, Peter says, you know what? I got the spectacular thing. I'm I'm the apostle, right? I was the eyewitness. I was there with the majestic glory. We heard it but you guys have something even more sure something that that i need to learn to cling to and you also should and that is the word of god the prophetic word this thing that uh, is the lamp that shines clear bright efficacious light into our lives and then he he leads into one of the one of the best passages which you referenced in the first 15 minutes of this program on the scriptures that they are in fact spoken from god and uh, inspired by the holy spirit they're not our own human interpretation they're not men's words but they're god's words to us that means they're trustworthy that means they're worth paying attention to and that means they're the going to be the things that'll take us all the way until the dawning of the day the last day when christ himself will be ours forever
0: how do you think peter gets there i mean how does he reach that conclusion that when is it the fact that Jesus is standing there with Moses and Elijah is it the fact that and so Jesus in his glory standing together with Moses and Elijah, Elijah is a confirmation to Peter that we should hear Moses and Elijah and all the prophets or is it the content of their conversation or is it the voice of God the Father how I mean so connect those dots a little bit more for me how how does Jesus or how does Peter get from this transfiguration of Jesus to the fact that we have a more sure prophetic word
2: yeah I I like to see this as his way of remembering listen listen to me listen listen to Jesus instead of telling everybody listen to Jesus he doesn't have I mean that could be open to a lot of interpretation (laughs) as frankly and 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 a lot of Christians have difficulty with this I want to hear the voice of God I want to know what he thinks about me I want to know what I'm supposed to do today And, and Where does that lead them? To some it leads them to prayer. To some it leads them to soul-searching. He must be showing me inside my heart or something. Uh, But this is a wonderful passage teaching us that if you want to hear Jesus, you go to the Word of God. You go to the prophetic Word of God, which has always been talking about him, which, which Jesus was not contradicting or destroying or setting aside, but was fulfilling himself. And uh, and I think we have to include in this now not only the prophetic word, but also the apostolic word of Peter and his associates, Paul, St. John, and the others, uh, that, that their word is this lamp, this inspired word of God that is speaking to us. And if we want to know what Jesus has to say, then we have to stick with that. Think about what Jesus said to his disciples in John's Gospel Uh, on the night he was betrayed as they're walking to the garden. And he he gets into a long sermon uh, before his big high priestly prayer where he talks about the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? The Holy Spirit is going to bring to remembrance all the things that I've given to you. Everything that my Father has, he's given to me, and so I'm entrusting them to you. And the Spirit is going to always testify and glorify about me glorify me, Jesus says. That's the whole point of the Spirit's work. That's the whole point of the Old Testament's work. That's the whole point of the New Testament's writings. Always to point us to and to glorify Jesus and his death and resurrection for our salvation.
0: To say it plainly, I think that, so Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. And the Christian says, well, I want to hear, I want to hear that voice. I want to hear the voice of Jesus. And, And what you're saying, Pastor Danzer, is that when when the father says yeah you have to hear him and you will do that in the scriptures when you read the prophets and when you read the apostles you are hearing the voice of Jesus that that's why it's such a great treasure for us
2: yeah we got just a few minutes I think but uh, wouldn't it be great to test your little thesis from the beginning about these seven things according to what st. Peter says so I think at the end so let's see
0: so in can you do it? Can you find all 7 in there? Inspiration? L- let's try it. There? I think I think
2: I think what you said was great, right? So here we have uh, his main point, right, that we didn't produce this from men, but they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who inspires and breathes them out. Are they inerrant? Well, he says they're not cleverly devised myths. They're truthful. You do well to pay attention to them. They're useful. They're, so, they're, so they're not fake things, and they're not fallible things, because it's God's own word. That one kind of stands by itself. Are they clear? well he says they're like a lamp shining the light into the dark place that could have almost be stuck right next to that great psalm that his word is the lamp for our feet and the light for our path are they sufficient well he says they're the prophetic word uh, that are this is the more sure thing uh, of course they are that's what you should take a look at uh, and they're going to be sufficient even until the day dawns and the morning star himself rises for all of us uh, are they efficacious Yes, they are able, right? You do well to pay attention to them. They're they're worth your time. And are they awesome? I I think that's what we should all take comfort in this. Peter was there at the most awesome event possible, Uh, something that he was so awesome he couldn't even handle it, right? He was blathering and and he was falling on the ground, uh, uh, couldn't handle it, right? The Lord had to say, calm down, Peter. I'm here. It's me only. Um, But he says to all of us we have something that's even more sure, Uh, how about that? We have the word of God in the scriptures, right? That is awesome. You want the transfiguration yourself? Go to my word. You'll find it there.
0: That's that's stunning. Yeah, we say, Oh Peter, you're so lucky you got to be up on the mountain, and Peter says, No, no, you have something even better. We have just two minutes. I I want to just maybe a couple of minutes or a, a minute on your thoughts on this, that Jesus hides his glory, and it, there's a reason. I mean, he's He's manifest on the mountain. Imagine if he would have been manifest in the garden when they came to arrest him, or if he was transfigured before Pilate. He would have never ended up on the cross. But he He doesn't manifest his glory again. He goes to the cross as he plotted with Moses and Elijah. Maybe want 30 seconds, one minute on that.
2: oh. Hmm. Uh- Well, we know he was concerned about being arrested or even being killed before he got to the cross. Um, But everything the Lord does, he does in perfect submission and agreement with his Father's will. Uh, Some of our hymns have even been changed because they didn't like the phraseology that he was doing what his Father demanded. But for Jesus to obey what his Father demanded is nothing more than to do willingly uh, what he most desperately wishes to do. And that's all to die. For our salvation. the Lord is unlike us, perfectly united with his father's will uh, and, and and so he's willing to suffer all of this uh, and, and to go through many things and even to hide himself for the sake of facing the worst possible punishment. Uh, to, all to be clear that his death is not for his own troubles uh, and his death is not finally orchestrated by all of his opponents, but it's orchestrated by God or as John's gospel says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord, and I have the authority to take it up again, too. Uh, this is him willingly going to the Father as a sacrifice for our benefit.
0: Now the Son of Man is glorified, says Jesus, when he's lifted up from the cross. Pastor Sean Denzer, thanks so much for being my guest today. Thanks for listening out there, too, to Cross the Fence. Every, uh, every week we come to you to enliven the imagination with the truth of the Scriptures. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller here, and I'll talk to you next week. God's peace be with you.
2: Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org
0: Pastor Wolfmuth here. Thanks again for downloading and being a podcast listener to Cross Defense. If there was something in the show that you thought was helpful, make sure to pass it on to the people around you, your neighbors, your friends, those you love. And if this show you think is worth sharing with them, that's great too. It's how the word spreads. So, So thanks for Thanks for sharing it. Thanks for spreading it around, and we'll talk to you next week.